Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 335 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 1st, 2015. Got a big show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. We got USC Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott joining the show. We got Coach Hartley Hyde. We got USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber talking all about USC's 52-13 win over Fresno State. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at USCFootball.com is our email address, or you can call us at 206-888-6755. That's the voicemail number. You can call us there, or you go to ParastylePodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail right on the left side of the page. All right, well, let's jump right into it. All right, we're welcoming to the show USC, former USC Trojan great. He's a college football Hall of Famer. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He's a national champion at college. He's a Super Bowl champion in the NFL. You can follow him on Twitter at Ronnie Lott, H-O-F, for Hall of Fame. So that's pretty pretty cool if you can have a Twitter handle like that. Ronnie Lott's joining the show. What's up, Ronnie? How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, man. It's been a, a, an exciting week. Uh, you know, it's been great to see uh, – all the things that that are uh, happening around football, and you, you look at um, you look at pro football, and you, everybody's getting ready for that. Uh, there's been some, you know, obviously some interesting cuts and some interesting you know choices. Teams going through their difficulties. You look at uh, college football, and I think everybody was shocked uh, this past weekend. And the reason they were all shocked, everybody expected certain things to happen. Everybody was looking for teams to dominate. And yet uh, we came out of this um, with a lot of uh, questions. And I think we came out of it with a lot of questions trying to figure out, are these teams as good as they say they are and are teams going to get better? And, and of course, uh, looking at USC and what they were able to accomplish and the way that they played, the, the, the amount of uh, attempts that they got on the offensive side, the way that their defense came up and played the ball, played, played well uh, tackling, the, the, the things that they were able to generate. I just think that overall there were a lot of interesting uh, thoughts around college football. Yeah, we wanted to pick your brain on that, and uh, especially about USC, uh, 105 plays, probably not something we know it's not something you saw really in your day. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to kind of give people uh, a feel for you know what you're doing now. I know you've got a lot of business stuff going on. You're doing stuff for the Pac-12 networks, and you can, you're on Twitter at Ronnie Lott, uh, HOF, like I mentioned. But maybe kind of give people an update on, on what you've been doing lately. Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic, and the reason it's been fantastic is that I'm involved, obviously, with uh, professional football locally here, been able to do some uh, local uh, radio and television, so that's been uh, keeping me occupied, and then uh, doing stuff with the Pac-12 has been phenomenal, uh, watching them grow and incubating that business, watching uh, Larry Scott uh, not only take over uh, the helm there and, and leading the charge, but also doing some wonderful things there, instituting a number of initiatives around uh, college football and around the college sports. I think also when you look at the Pac-12 and what uh, what they were trying to achieve in terms of, of uh, being the, the, the place where champions grow and the place where champions come from, you look at all the athletes around the country and around the globe that have been 
a champion that has participated in the Pac-12. And all of a sudden you realize that uh, you got a lot of great assets, a lot of great opportunities to tell great stories about great athletes that are going to come out of those universities. And then more importantly, I think we're going to see a lot of great student athletes that are going to find themselves achieving greatness not only in their respective fields, but they're going to achieve greatness uh, in, some, in, in, in the future and at some point trying to find ways to enhance you know, different businesses and different uh, arenas. And I think one of the things that's great and one of the things that I feel like I learned coming out of USC is that no matter what, you've got to learn how to compete and you've got to learn how to uh, give, give it your best. And so I've applied that uh, even today. Um, you know, I have a number of businesses that I'm involved with, and we always, you know, are trying to compete. We're trying to get better. We're trying to do things to uh, make the world better. And then lastly, I think the one thing that, that I'm really excited about is 25 years that um, we've had our, our foundation, All Stars Helping Kids, and we've been able to give back to this community in so many different ways and uh, heading up that initiative over the years and, having a chance to participate and work with other organizations and, and seeing how people give is so important and teaching young people how to give. And, and so I've been very blessed to be able to have uh, 25 years of being connected to the people that you don't get a chance to hear about. We don't hear the stories of what people go through each and every day to survive. And I've had the good fortune to see it and be around it. And so, you know, you look at, you know, the, the one side of life of competing at the high level and being around people that are changing the world, that are entrepreneurs, but at the same time being around a nonprofit world where you see guys and people that are young ladies that are trying to find a way to uh, get in the nonprofit world of uplifting people, giving people hope, and giving people chances. And, and, and to me, uh, we need it on both sides. We need the nonprofit world to exist. And we need the world of the uh, of innovation to exist. And to me, those those areas are areas that I, I like to be around. And I find myself uh, having a, a lot of peace and a lot of uh, interesting uh, uh, perspectives on life because you see people that are truly trying to change the world. On the other side, you see a lot of people that are in need that are just looking for somebody to find a way to enhance their lives so they can have a uh, a piece of what we all want, and that's the American dream. Well, it's great to see you coming from both sides of that. Uh, that's that's awesome. I, I know I've read a bunch about you, you know, going into the interview and all the business stuff you did. I didn't, I didn't know as much about the philanthropy stuff too. So that's great to hear. And I know a lot of USC fans are gonna uh, love to hear that. But they they wanted to also get your opinion, uh, Ronnie, about what this USC team is doing. People want to know how you know, involved you were with the team or how much you follow the team and, and if you watch the games and kind of get your thoughts and maybe kind of give people a little a rundown of, of what you do as far as following the team and then what you thought of the game on Saturday. Well, first of all, I've had the good fortune of playing at USC and, and playing with some terrific athletes, playing with Anthony Munoz, who I competed against in high school and, 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 and knowing him and, and playing with some of the other greats and playing with Clay Matthews and playing with Bruce Matthews and, and playing with some of the other greats like Marcus Allen, who was one of my best friends, and, and having a chance to, to hear his, you know, his thoughts on, you know, each year, each year we're hearing his thoughts on the game of uh, football and the game of, of what, what's happening at USC. And, and so before you know it, you start to realize that the community that, 
that uh, I'm involved with uh, is an incredible community. You know, when it starts with the likes of John Robinson and, and John Steele at the university, I see him occasionally around the campus and occasionally at, at different sporting events. And then, of course, the great Pat Hayden, who uh, was a, a stellar uh, quarterback at USC and then went on to play in, in professional ranks, was a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, he has done a terrific job of, of creating a positive environment at USC right now where he is in, he's taken over from Mike Garrett. And so all of a sudden you see that these attributes that uh, have been around the family and have been around the core of who I am, you, you, you realize that there's some, some great uh, attributes and great characteristics. And as John would say, Coach Robinson would say a number of times, it's how you compete. It's how you live your life. It's the way you go about it. It's the way that you do and, 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 and demonstrate your, your, your ability to be a champion. And so to me, when I'm, when I'm around USC and, and being around it and, and cheering for it and watching Coach uh, Sarkeesian do his job right now, watching what he was able to accomplish, uh, taking over for Coach O, um, taking over for Coach O, after Coach O had done a, a terrific job of finishing the season um, and, and looking at uh, some of the some of the young players, um, which uh, I had a chance to see this this past weekend, Juju Smith, and, and just seeing some of the other athletes that are, you know, uh, Aguilar and all the guys that are uh, that are you know talented on both sides, and looking for, at uh, Cravens and looking at all the great talent we have, and and, and what I find. Is I'm always looking for the guy who's got the edge, the guy who is you know you know is 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 giving just a little bit more, and 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 to me one of the great positions that we don't talk a lot about at USC and one of the things that you know I'm I'm excited about is a, is the quarterback position. I mean we talk about Pat, we can talk about Hurdle, we can talk about Paul McDonald, we can talk about a lot of great quarterbacks that I had a chance to play with and. We can see Matt Leinart now is with the Pac-12 Network and seeing some of the great quarterbacks that have played and, and you know, Carson Palmer and all of those guys. And then here we are looking at Cody Kessler. And, and I, I think with the way that he, you know, when you think about running that many plays, the concentration to be able to get that many plays off says that the young man is, is in it. And not only is he in it, but he understands what the capacity of what these guys are capable of doing. And just being able to get that many plays off, we forget about that it's not a matter if if you are able to win or lose. It's a matter of execution. It's a matter of knowing that people can get out and and, and, and play with the, the type of uh, characteristics that you need to play with. So for me, uh, watching the game and, and rooting for the SC and, and knowing that, you know, SC has been a, a big part of my life and will continue to be. I've traveled all over the world, uh, and it's fascinating to me that I can travel all over the world and, and find a Trojan fan <laughs> and find somebody who will tell me, fight on. And what you find out is that um, there are people who are very passionate about USC, who care a lot about USC, and care a lot about their US, the USC football team. And so... Um, we're indebted to the guys that are playing right now, and I know Coach Shark is 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 is, is, is you know it's got to be excited. You know they did a great job of running that many plays, but also being able to show people that 
that they've come a long ways. I know he's instituted a lot in terms of discipline, and, and, and yet they still have a long ways to go. Big game this week, though. Big, big game. So, yeah, that's a lot for me to be proud of. It's a lot for me to talk about. But um, I'm very excited about being a fan of USC and, and being an alum of USC. Yeah, they're coming up to uh, your neck of the woods to play Stanford that that second game. But, yeah, so far, Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, pretty good job. You mentioned Marcus Allen. We talked to him on this show before, and he was a big Ed Orgeron fan. Um, we're going to definitely try to get him on the show again and ask him what he thinks of Steve Sarkeesian. But I don't know if you were a big Orgeron guy and what you thought when they hired Sarkeesian. And, and so far, it seems like it's working out okay. Well, you got to remember, you know, there's always somebody that you're going to love and somebody you're going to hate, somebody you, you think that's got better skills, somebody that's got this and somebody that's got that. What you what you, what you got to find out, which I think is one of the things that we don't get a chance to do a lot of times, is find out, how, how, you know, What's what's in the blood of that person? What's in the what's in the soul of that person? What's in the gut of that person? And 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 right away when you're around Coach Sarkeesian, you see that the that he he he's when you cut him, if you had to cut him in the middle, you would see that he bleeds USC. And and even though he went up to Washington, and even though he was he did a fantastic job up there, you know, getting that program going in the right direction, you know putting that program in a position that they can go to, you know, bowl games, putting that team in a position where uh, they had a chance to fight for the Pac-12 North. And yet um, he was here, and he was a part of USC. He will tell you that some of the things that he learned from Pete Carroll and that staff and being around it, that there were some, you know, great memories. He, he would tell you that he and Lane Kiffin and, and, the, and the journeys that they had uh, being young assistants, that both of them, had you know high hopes of of achieving a lot of things. You, he would also say that they're friends and people that will would 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 say why, and he would say, look, because that's that was my guy. That was the guy that I believed in. At the same time, he would also tell you that he's a guy that that wants to win at at the at the highest level. He wants to be great. He wants to follow in the steps of in the in the step uh, in the in the in the shoes of of some of the greats. He wants to follow uh, and be, you know, mentioned with with Pete and mentioned with, you know, other great coaches. So, you know, for me, that I know. What I what now? What he's got to do is he's got to go out and coach. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to coach at a high level. He's got to execute at a high level. He's got to find guys that are going to play at a at, at a passionate level. He's got to be able to call them out. He's got to be able to inspire them. And I think one of the things that we saw here early on is that you can have crisis and yet you can have functionality. And he had crisis last week. He had a couple people saying things, and yet they were functional. They played well. Uh, they played within themselves. And to me, that, 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 that's a sign of a leader. And Marcus and I were talking about it. I had other alums that, that, that I reached out to that, that just to kind of hear their perspective on it and so, you know, all of a sudden, you look at Coach Sark, and what we're going to see in this game especially, this is going to be a tough game. This game is going to be a game for him where I think it's going to be really challenging for him. It's going to be really very uh, – to me, it's going to be very, very challenging. It's going to be very challenging. And the reason why, anytime you go on the road and you got to compete against Stanford, you're going to have a lot, a lot to deal with. So he's going to come up here. 
Uh, it's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, Stanford, the way that they play the game of football, that way that David Shaw and how he coaches the game, is going to make the game a, a kind of a short game. So it's not going to be, they're not going to be able to get that many plays off. So you kind of know that they're going to probably, they're going to maybe get 70 at the most, if if, if possible. So he's not going to allow them to dominate the, the game and, and keep it the tempo up. So all of a sudden we're going to have a small, a, a, a shorter game, and he's got to win. He's got to win in that environment, and he's got to not only win in that environment, but he's got to find a way to make sure that these guys understand that, okay, we're going to have less plays, but how do we win each play? How do we win each play, and how do we not get knocked off the ball? How do we find ourselves holding our ground? And to me, that if you can get that done, that's going to be exciting football this upcoming weekend. But he's got a lot ahead of him in a very short week. He certainly does. All right, we're talking to the pride of Eisenhower High School in Rialto, California, Ronnie Lott. You can follow him on Twitter at Ronnie Lott, H-O-F, uh, Ronnie Lott Hall of Fame. Um, Ronnie, we had uh, some questions on the Peristyle, our message board on uscfootball.com that people pose. If we could, uh, I know it's Labor Day, we want to let you go, but there's a few uh, questions here if you don't mind jumping in on a couple of these. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Rick Raff. He wrote in, he said, who impresses you in our secondary? So he's talking about the USC secondary. Anyone impress you? I mean, look, you know, the one young man that uh, went through what he went through and, and went through uh, a challenging situation is a young man that I, I, that I, that I like and I'm a young man that I can't wait to see him play. And, and, and Shaw is a young man that, you know, going into the season, he was going to be the captain. Everybody knows his ability to compete, the way he thought about playing the game, the way that he goes about his craft and understanding the game. So for me... I was looking forward to it. I, I, yeah, am I disappointed? Of course, I'm disappointed that he went through what he went through. I'm disappointed that he felt that he had to make the decisions that he made. On the other side, he was somebody that I was looking forward to watching. Somebody that I know that has the right characteristics to play at the next level. Also, is a person that I think will, you know, learn from this and grow from it, and will be better for it. Um, you know, the hard part about life is when we make decisions. You know, sometimes we don't understand the magnitude of them. We don't realize that they can be bigger than us. And in, in this case, it was bigger than him. And, and I hope that he learns from this. I, I know that he will. I think he'll be a better football player, a better person for it. And yet uh, we have to find ways as alums and as, as people who, who uh, enjoy the game of football that, that, that root for him, you know, hopefully that he gets the best out of everything that he can do in the game of football. And, and if he can, it's going to make all of us better because what we, what we do need is, is people that can re- rebound. What we do need is to see people that are heroes that can have adversity in their lives and then find a way to get better. So, yeah, we can look at it you know, negatively or we can look at it positively. And right now, I believe we can look at it positively because – what we got to do is hopefully look at him and say to ourselves, that young man can recover from all this. He's going to be better for it, and he's going to be a better student athlete. Oh, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian did say that he could come back. A lot of factors will go into that. So we'll keep, uh, we'll keep following that for sure. But it'll be interesting to see if Josh Shaw can make it back because he was a great leader on this team and a uh, very popular player. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, Pete Pauly wrote in. He wanted to know what changes you would make to the USC defensive backfield, if you if you would make any. 
Well, that's a, that's a that's an interesting question because, you know, when you think about the the backfield, everybody's always trying to find ways to enhance the backfield. A lot of times, we find ourselves trying to think that certain players can move around and play certain positions. I like the way the secondary fits right now. I like the way Cravens and what he's doing. I like the way the guys are playing and coming together. I think the hard part about being in the secondary is getting guys to play as a as as they're tied together. Uh, when I was at, in, 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 in pro football, uh, one of the things that our coach would preach is, can we all make sure that everybody's tied together? Are we all playing in, uh, playing a, with the right alignment? Are we all lining up a certain way? Are we all knowing what we each have to do back there? Because once you get one guy, one guy out of alignment, it then breaks down and it hurts all the guys. So for me, just knowing what I know, that's a very key point for, for um, uh, Coach Wilcox in his way of coaching, the fo- coaching football, especially coaching football in the Pac-12. You cannot have breakdowns. You cannot have long plays, explosive plays. You have to have a sound defense, and everybody's got to be on the same page. Uh, Lambda Kai Trojan wrote in, what's the greatest game you ever played in as a Trojan? Greatest game I ever played in as a Trojan. There were a, a number of great games that I played in, um, and you know I can go back to the Alabama game. And one of my great friends who passed away from ALS is Eric Scoggins. He was the player of the game against Alabama, and, and down in in uh, Alabama, and, and it was a fantastic game. It was a game that a lot of people didn't think we could win. We went down there and beat them, and that was a terrific game. We went down and beat LSU. Uh, that was a terrific game. We went down and beat Tennessee. That was a terrific game. Uh, competing against the great George Rogers. He was the highest in trophy candidate. We were able to play against him and, and had a, uh, a great game. We're playing against Michigan State. And, um, you know, uh, Kirk Gibson, who ended up uh, not playing football, but ended up going and playing baseball and having a chance to compete against him. So there are a lot of great games that uh, that I play, but I will say this, anytime you play against Montana and having an opportunity to play against him, and, uh, he almost got us. He, it was a terrific game. Uh, in the second half, he dominated us and, and, and was phenomenal in the second half, and yet we, we prevailed and came out and ended up kicking a field goal to win the game. Frank Jordan did a fantastic job. Uh, Paul McDonald guided us down and got us in field goal range, and you know, win the game. But, yeah, I would say competing against Joe Montana, against a guy who in the first half we could stop him in the second half, we couldn't stop him at all. And, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a terrific moment for us because uh, to come out a winner and then having to play against him or having to compete against him in practice and, and uh, getting to know him. And, and so, yeah, I would say that uh, Montana was uh, – one of the guys that we enjoyed uh, competing against, and it was one of the, it was a great game for us to uh, prevail against him. Cool. Then we'll do uh, two more quick ones for you. We'll let you go. Uh, Sammy eighty seven wanted to know uh, what do you think the biggest hit on an opponent that you can remember? Uh, and he, a lot of people are actually writing in about this about players not being able to tackle hard anymore. But is there a big hit, college or pro, that you just remember as being one of your best or biggest? Well, I can tell you right now, uh, hitting George Rogers. Uh, and and uh, USC was was a great thrill, and, and you know, you know um, 
Um, there was another kid, Dave Lewis, from Cal that you know was was a big shot, and, and then in pro football, and you know hit, hitting Icky Woods. I, I will say this: the funny thing about the game today, everybody says this. Oh, we're not we're not going to get the big hits. We're not seeing all that. We're not seeing the things that guys used to do. Uh, trust me, I've watched a lot of football this past weekend. There were some incredible hits. There was some incredible tackling. And a lot of guys were doing it the proper way, using that shoulder, picking up guys, driving them to the ground. To me, keeping the head out of the game, finding a way to wrap guys up, using your feet, getting your feet aligned so you can get in front of the guy. Um, so just great, great football. So when I hear people saying that we're not getting guys that are not attacking, guys that are not hitting, guys that are not able to accomplish certain things, I don't know who they're. I don't know what they're watching because I see some great hits in the game of football, and I'm definitely saw some great hits uh, this past game with USC. And we'll continue. We'll see. We'll, we're going to see a lot of uh, physical uh, tackling, but we've got to get the head out of it. The key is: can you tackle and use the shoulder and wrap up and drive the opponent back? That's the key to tackling. You got to be able to wrap up, grab, use your hands and make sure you take the guy down. Using your head, getting your head in the way, is the wrong way to play this game. And believe me, I've had a number of years playing this game. And when I did get my head in the way, that was not a good thing. <laughs> uh, okay, one last one. Yeah, no one, I don't know who would know better than you. Uh, one last one. SC Tets wanted to know, how would you stop today's offenses? Is there anything that defensives today can learn from the past? Well, if I, if I was going to look at the game today, you know, if I was going to go out and, and, and try to find ways to stop the pistol offense, to stop the options, to stop all the things that we're seeing in college football and seeing in professional football, I think what I would try to find is I would want to find guys uh, that, are, that are more athletic, guys that could do more things, guys that can uh, play defense lineman, play linebacker, possibly be able to drop in the, into the secondary. I would want guys that are corners and safeties that could be interchangeable, that can do a lot of different things. I would want my safeties to be able to blitz. I would want my safeties to be able to uh, possibly play, you know, man-to-man. So the way the game is today, if you want to win, you've got to be able to match up. You've got to be able to put your best, your best five players against their best five players, especially when it comes to the passing game. So you're going to have – some, you're going to have four wide receivers. You're going to have a running back. You're going to have situations like that. But when you do have those situations, you better have five guys that can cover. And if you can have five guys that can cover and can be interchangeable and do a lot of different things, you got a chance to win a lot of football games because getting to the quarterback, no matter what I say, no matter what I'm talking about, that is the most important thing. <laughs> and SD will do that. They will have a. They will do a fantastic job. I, I know this. Coach Wilcox is the kind of guy that will dial up a lot of different ways of being able to attack any 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 offense in college football right now. So I'm looking forward to him and looking forward to how he is going to go about uh, coaching football this year. But that's what you got to do today. You got to have a lot of different guys that can play a lot of different positions. All right. Well, great stuff. The great Ronnie Lott. You can follow him on Twitter at Ronnie Lott HOF. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Labor Day. It was love. It was great having you on. We'd love to have you on again sometime. Thank you.
Anytime, anytime. Really enjoyed it. Fight on to all the SC Trojans out there. And college football is going to be a great year. It's going to be a lot of interesting ups and downs throughout the year. It certainly will. Thanks again, Ronnie Lott and everyone else. Hey, we're going to be back in a minute talking with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber about the USC Fresno State game. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Happy Labor Day to everyone. Happy Labor Day to you, Dan Weber, uscfootball.com. Beat writer, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, and happy to be back laboring uh, with uh, actual football games to uh, to cover. That, uh, that made uh, last week almost worthwhile, that game. Yeah, last week was was kind of hell week for us, I guess. Usually the end of fall camp isn't so bad, but it was really really crazy. We weren't sure about the distractions. We talked to a lot of the players and coaches about it after the game, but it, you know, you saw what happened on the field. It didn't look like the Josh Shaw and Anthony Brown stuff was much of a distraction for this team. Well, I'll say this. Uh, as they all pointed out to us, if there's ever been a team in the history of the world prepared to handle Josh Shaw and Anthony Brown uh, <laughs> stories, this team was. I mean, they looked at it like, yeah, after last year, this is nothing. <laughs> we, we know how to handle this stuff. <laughs> and uh, they clearly do and did. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're amazing. Uh, and I think they point out what I think is the absolute best thing Sark and his staff have done, and Sark said it the other night after the game they listened to these players they figured out where they were they understood what they'd gone through and it was none of this uh, uh you know my way or the highway this is how we're doing things they looked at these guys and said you have to know what you're doing you have to know how to you know survive this you have to know how to work your way through it uh we're going to listen to you and uh it's been a really nice uh, kind of a blending or merger of, you know, Sark and the new coaches and philosophy and the and last year's group that says we we figured out how to survive. We got through everything. I mean, you know, they look at him and say, hell, a year ago, Lane Kiffin was our coach. How, how could this be worse than that? And uh, they these kids are pretty – they're amazing, actually, uh, to be honest with you. And they amazed everybody last year. And I think, yes, you know, Saturday they amazed everybody once more, you know, who who were just sure that um, this had to be distracting as heck. And uh turned out they just used it to uh, kind of reinforce who they are and what they want to do and how they want to do it. And they just went out and did it. And it was a record-setting night, um, 105 plays. I think that was the consensus. Uh, 704 yards. I mean, it's pretty crazy the the numbers that they put up. Cody Kessler almost had 400 yards, four passing touchdowns. He ran one in as well. Got to see him run a little bit there, and so I got to see 11 freshmen play. 
two starters, true freshman starters on the offensive line since they've ever, you know, started keeping stats. They haven't done that before. So plenty of records set for you. Juju Smith, you know, had four catches for 123 yards, which didn't even think he was going to start. He ends up starting there. But a lot of, lot of uh, record-setting numbers for – it's Fresno State, but still not a bad way to open the Sark era. Yeah, that's, that's – I thought coming in, Fresno State is a perfect opener. This is somebody – uh, you know they're not some. You know they're not some FCS school. They're not some uh, really down in the dump school without without talent. Uh, they're somebody that you had a measuring stick because you played them in the last game last year. They're uh, you know they were 11 and one going into that game. They're a proud program, good coach. Uh, they're not going to back off. They're going to try to come at you. Uh, I like everything about Fresno State as an opener and. Uh, and, and again, as Sark said, it, this is not to put down the people you're playing, but the ga- the games are not about your opponent. They have to be about yourself because that's all you have control of. You don't have control of who you're playing. And so your job is to go out and play the way you have to play. And I think the best thing of that part of the week is as much as we saw you know, the competition for the three weeks of camp, uh, we were sh- we weren't sure because things change in game week preparation. They're not doing the same things. Uh, the third team guys are now all, all uh, scout team guys, and you don't have quite the hurry up uh, in practice because you don't have quite as many plays to get in and things like that. So you don't know. And I thought one of the really keys to how Sark is doing this is early in the week, uh, Jenna Harris was a starter in the slot. And uh, that wasn't the case in, when, the, when game time got here. Juju was on the outside, and, and, uh, and Nelson Aguilar was in the slot. And Sark, this is a great answer for our coach. He said the difference was, he said yes, because uh, he, of course, was asked, why didn't Argenic get, get a play as much as, as it looked like he might have? And Sark said, well, the difference was we released the depth chart in the beginning of the week, Sunday. But we kept practicing, and the more we practiced, the more we realized we probably have a better matchup with uh, moving Nelson to the slot and having uh, Juju on the outside, and that's what they did. But what that tells you is just because they had written it down on Sunday or just because whatever, they, you know, that was the original plan, that didn't change them from watching practice seeing how things look, and adjusting. And you can't ask for more than that. Because, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a competitive issue, but it shows the players practice really matters. What you do in practice really matters. What the coaches do. How every, so they can't be sending better messages than it really matters what goes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, and uh, and I think that's the exact opposite of the message these kids had one year ago, when no one knew if pra- anything they did at practice mattered. Uh, what a difference! That's, that's, and, and it's so much easier then to carry on what you do on practice uh, to the game. And uh, that again, that's what what they've done so well. Uh, well, d- good job there, Dan. You answered Tarek's question about Ajana Harris. We were going to talk about that. So, yeah, see, Steve Sarkeesian brought that up yesterday in the conference call. So, Tarek, hopefully that answers your question. Um, but we also had one from John, kind of similar. 
He's like, any scoop on why George Farmer didn't get as many touches? I thought he was healthy and ready to go, and he could be the most explosive player. I think he's being underutilized, especially in Sark's system. So what do you think about George Farmer and his play? Uh, so maybe they should have thrown 40 passes in the first uh, <laughs> in the first half. Uh, you throw to the guys that are open. For example, I mean, I think if you're somebody coming to watch USC or play USC and you're not sure what they're going to do and you see George uh, lined up out there and you think this kid's 6'1", 220, he's finally healthy, this is the guy who was more touted in high school than Robert Woods and uh, Marquise Lee, we better do something about him. So people can try to take guys out of games. That's why – for example, Nelson's in the slot. That makes it much harder to try to take Nelson out of the game. Uh, if you're going to probably not you know, pay attention quite as much to somebody, it's probably going to be Juju Smith on the other side. And so what you do is you throw the ball to the guy who's open. If those are Juju and Nelson and, you know, uh, Victor and, uh, you know, Whoever, that's who you throw the ball to. Now, I know probably for USC fans, it might be hard with the idea that, no, we're going to throw the ball to one guy <laughs> because he's our guy. Uh-uh. That's not the way it works, I don't think. Uh, I think – and I would say the word underutilized would be a little bit of a surprise. If you look at that game and say – USC underutilized somebody on offense on a, game, on a day where they ran 105 plays and, and gained over 700 yards, and that was slowing the ball down at you know, the fourth quarter. Uh, I wouldn't use the word underutilized uh, with regard to anybody the other day. No, that's a good point. And uh, George Harvey was in there a lot. He started, so it wasn't like he – it was different than a Jana Harris, who we thought was going to start, and then we didn't see him as much. Uh, but we did see – a whole lot of George Farmer. He was out there, just didn't get as many balls as, you know, Juju Smith only caught four passes. They just were big ones, you know. <laughs> they, he caught, yeah. it, you know, but that's still great for a, a true freshman. Uh, well, like, you know, if you find Juju and he's open and he, he's got, let's say, a decent amount of space, now you're one guy on defense, and if you miss your shoestring tackle, he's going to run a long way. And that's what happens. I mean, you just try to find those little mismatches where, They've kind of dropped off, and they're, they're, you know, say they're maybe trying to pay a little more attention to Nelson in the slot. And there's Juju, kind of got a bunch of space, and uh, he catches it. And if you're the, you know, corner and you come up and miss, he's going to run a long way. And uh, that's just what they're looking for. If that happens with George, I guarantee you, if George would have been where Juju was, George would have gotten those passes. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And uh, this other question kind of follows along with that because this is where a, a spot I think you could use George Farmer a little bit more. Earl in West L.A. wants to know is why do we have Nelson Aguilar returning all kicks? Uh, we seem to have lots of talented players who would be handling this chore instead of our number one receiver. And to me, uh, Dan, I think Farmer's perfect for returning kickoffs there with his straight line speed. But get your thoughts on that, too. Oh, he will. Yeah, he will be. And he, you know, he's, that's not going to be, uh, you know, I think coaches tend to be uh, conservative a little bit. And uh, I'm sure Nelson would like to be out there on every, he'd like to cover kickoffs and, and punts. So um, let's, let's return him. 
I think that'll evolve over time as we get, uh, you know, more comfortable with everything that they're doing. But you can see in an opener how you might do that. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was surprised a little bit with Nelson back there, but uh, that may not stay that way. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, Nelson really is a threat, obviously, uh, but then, you know, so is George and so are Juju. I think they'll they'll refine what they're doing on on kickoff return. Uh, I think they need to, need to see a game or two and, and get the personnel down. And but you're right, yeah, you know, George on a straight ahead ball. He's not a, he's not your necessarily your punt returner, but on that straight ahead kickoff where he can get a you know a head of steam up and they can try to you know create the seam at a, at a particular spot you know on the wherever the 24 yard line or whatever and try to get him there. Um, uh, he'd be he'd be the guy you'd want to do that. Uh, so because he can run by people and run over them, and that's kind of a good combination and run through them. Yeah, it's not like they returned the kick. You know, they had a lot of chances. I mean, not a lot of chances to uh, return kickoffs in that game. But didn't you know it wasn't the best? Uh, I guess you'd say their best effort there. It just didn't seem like they were able to break anything open. Everything just was kind of like short kickoff returns and nothing really special there. No, but I, I will say, uh, if we want to use the word underutilized, we talk about they didn't get to do much on their kickoff returns. Uh, I think Chris Alvarado was the most underutilized <laughs> player on the team. Uh, the USC punter who got zero punts, uh, unfortunately, is, is as good a job as he's been doing this year. Uh, poor kid shows up and uh, doesn't, get a, doesn't get a punt the ball one. Now he knows how... Tommy Malone felt uh, some of those years when he was uh, averaging 49 yards uh, plus a punt and wasn't able to even qualify for the NCAA leadership uh, because he didn't get the punt at all. Yeah, well, we'll we'll probably see Chris Alvarado against Stanford, but uh, who knows, we'll see about that. Speaking of Stanford, though, Melvin had a question. I'm kind of paraphrasing this for him, but uh, he thought USC looked good on defense everywhere except in the run game. Uh, run game defense it's times not the whole time but at times is that a possible weak point for this team he thinks they need to get better there to play against Stanford well I think it was a hard deal I think they basically played three guys on a rush uh they weren't going to let um uh, Fresno throw the ball they weren't going to uh blitz I mean Fresno for example two different approaches Fresno ran every blitz every stunt every kind of overload and all that that a defensive team could run. USC ran like nothing. Okay, so what we've seen all year has been guys on the move on defense. I mean, really moving and running and running to the ball. And so they go out there uh, Saturday, and they're pretty standstill, pretty much vanilla, pretty much just kind of – you know, we'll just be in our really base defense, but I mean really. Uh, and, uh, you know, the number of times you saw guys flying around and all that, it just didn't happen much. They they were just, as, you know, that did not look like how they've done how they've done it much of the year. And I don't think it's going to look like how they did it against Stanford. But I do think if kids are used to really flying around on defense and then you get them in a kind of a holding pattern a little bit, uh, which you can absolutely understand. I mean, I don't think Stanford has any idea right now. I mean, they played Washington last year, but not with these players. So, uh, I mean, I think Stanford's going to hit the guess as to what are we, what is USC going to throw at them. 
And uh, I think that was the way to go in this game. But I think at, at times maybe the linebackers were back on their heels a little bit and at times they were, you know, just overly cautious and, uh, you know, they gave up a couple of drives. But uh, I thought they, they played the run pretty decently for the, the circumstances they found themselves in with what they were going to allow themselves to do. I, I'm not – and I, I think it probably hurt them in their tackling a little bit too because they weren't quite running to the football the way they have been all of August. We'll see, uh, we'll see next week, but I, I think it will look a little bit differently, and I, I don't think I'd jump overboard on you know, uh, kind of a negative reaction to what you saw Saturday. Uh, Marcel had a question about, in his opinion, he said the field looked like it was in poor condition. What happened? It looked better during the spring game. However, the offense looked real good. Uh, what do you think about how the field looked? No, I, I think you're wrong. I, I mean, I, I look, I, mean, I don't know if you're talking about looking on television or, or looking in the stands. Uh, uh, they did put one new section of grass in uh, between like the 15 and the 22 or whatever on the uh, on the uh, uh, opposite the peristyle end of the stadium for something. They they must have had something in the stadium that kind of uh, gashed uh, the turf there when we saw them uh, for the first, I guess, first scrimmage. So they put a whole new section of turf that was lighter in color. And, and I swear, it almost looked like they matched the, uh, the, the grass color with that color. Uh, but whatever you thought maybe of the way it looked, they take really good care of that turf. That turf is in the best shape we've ever seen it. And, and, and uh, it's a, it's a wonderful playing surface. So however it may have looked, uh, it, it, it didn't have the patches. It does it, you know, it was really good level, even, uh, you know, playing surface. And uh, so that's one of the benefits of USC taking over, you know, the, the care of the field. I mean, one of the differences you notice is the game's over and they are out there while we're in the press box. You can hear, you know, they're out there working on that grass and they've got, you know, all the you know equipment going and that, and that wasn't the case, you know, in years past. So, uh, so I don't know. The turf is not, I don't think it's going to get all beaten up and I don't think it's going to be a problem. And it's, uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just it's it's everything you'd want, I think, in that, in that field. So uh, uh, no, not the case. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Boyd and uh, San Ramon had a question, and I I looked at the depth chart that USC released the depth chart on Sunday. It said Jalen Jones is listed as a second string cornerback. Cornerback. Uh, can I get some info about him? How has he looked at practice? And I'm like is this a USC question? I'm like, who the heck is that? And I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, he is one of the walk-ons that's listed as the backup there over at, uh, at one of the quarterback spots. Um, I don't even know if you're rec- if you recognize the name, Dan, but maybe you do, but I just wanted to check. I mean, I've looked, I've looked for him, uh, you know, and we don't get to see him as much when they go into, um, in, in, the, in the scout team because, uh, unlike in the past, the scout guys come out wearing their scout jerseys already. So then we don't really know who, who they are. Uh, but I have looked at him. He's a good-looking athlete. I mean, he looks like he belongs out there. Honestly, no one – I don't think we've talked to him, and I don't think anybody's, uh, you know, asked about him. But uh, it's a, he's an example of they've done an unbelievable job with walk-ons. I, I you know, I think uh, – 
Coach Baxter and Coach Orgeron were a big part of that last year, and a, a lot of what they've done with walk-ons for this year, you know, was happening last year. But uh, uh, it's amazing. I mean, you're talking about a team that's probably – if they dressed 104 or 105 the other night, they got 57, you know, originally recruited, you know, scholarship players available. Uh, you're talking about a lot of walk-ons. And uh, I guess they had at least three first-time walk-ons play. Matt Lopes and, um, boom, 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 I guess, Teddy Baker played. Um, boom, 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 who else? Uh, boom, boom, I'm trying to think of the – other walk-ons who played. Well, Chris uh, Wilson played, but he's played well, before. Well, Tolan, Tolan played. Yeah, Tolan. Uh, at least three walk-ons played. And, well, and then obviously, the like, uh, you know, Connor Sullivan, uh, the holder, who's done, yeah. you know, doing a great job. Um, but uh, it's an amazing thing when you have, you know, a, a private school with the, you know, tuition situation, you know, USC. These aren't kids, you know, that are attending uh, – you know, a state school like, a, you know, Nebraska for, uh, you know, minimal, comparatively speaking, minimal dollars. This is uh, uh, it, it really, uh, I think, uh, a major accomplishment of this program is, is, is the walk-on program. And then, uh, yeah, so he's listed as Chris Hawkins' backup. But if you look at Kevon Seymour's side, Dory Jackson's in there. So if something happened to Kevon Seymour or Chris Hawkins, Dory Jackson's going in. It's not like Jalen Jones would go in before Dory Jackson if, if Chris Hawkins went down, for example. Well, but, and then Ryan Dillard's been injured. Ryan Dillard's been so, hurt. Uh, yeah, so he so he would be in there. Yeah, and Devian Shelton has been hurt. Right. Uh, yeah. So no, it, it, that just is how the you know that the week lined up. But uh, there's also but Jonathan they, Lockett and Lamont Simmons, who I think you know I don't know I don't think those guys played right, Dan. No, Lockett did, and I, I, I'd have to double-check on Simmons. I think Lockett definitely did. Uh, uh, he was one of the 11. Okay, so he was Yeah, one so of Lockett the... was in there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, th- this is where we probably tell people, don't study the depth chart like it's, you know, some, you know the map to, you know, <laughs> Pharaoh's tomb or something, you know, and you got to follow every single step. Uh, yeah, like uh-uh. It's... Uh, it's it's an approximation at best, and 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 I know somebody asked Sark last night on the uh, on the conference call as if there was some big secret as to what happened to a Jenny Harris, you know, and and it's it's just you know don't take it so seriously. Practice happened, as Sark said, and uh, you know things change, and uh, you're probably you know probably not well advised to something you decided on Sunday that you're going to stick to the next Saturday. Uh, so, so I, yeah, I wouldn't, I would put a lot more, uh, maybe, uh, I, I'd pay a lot more attention to the depth chart this year than last year or than at the beginning of last year, but I still wouldn't put so much, uh, you know, attention to it that like a, a deviation from the, the, uh, uh, depth chart is like some big deal. All right. We got one last one for you, Dan, before we let you go, Marcel and diamond bar. Um, this is kind of off, off topic of the game, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Quick question on what would happen if USC created its own network like Texas instead of waiting for the Pac-12 and DirecTV? I don't think they can. I think they're locked in for, what, 10 more years? I think it was 12. Yeah, some crazy uh, So I think 10 more years of whatever USC does uh, TV broadcast-wise, they would get no dollars. All dollars have to go through the Pac-12. So if USC set one of those up, the Pac-12 would get all the money. 
and you're saying, gosh, that doesn't sound like a good deal. Really? You think? Um, plus, they'd have to have a broadcast partner. The way those are working uh, with the uh, you know SEC and the Longhorn and, and what have you, they basically have to get you know Fox uh, or ESPN as a partner. And uh, I'm not sure. I mean, if, if you could guarantee them USC would be back to where it was, you know, uh, right away. And for the length of the contract, yeah, you probably could get a partner. Uh, uh, but how you could ever do that, uh, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think you would. I think USC is locked into the Pac-12, you know, forever. And yeah, it hurts when the Pac-12 still isn't on Directv, and the <laughs> SEC is going, yeah, 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 we are, and you aren't, and Directv, you know, and and the Pac-12 is lobbing insults at Directv. And DirecTV lobs back and says, no, we, they just signed up with the SEC. And they said, no, this is a much more reasonable partner who asked us for reasonable fees uh, that we can send it out to our listeners without, you know, damaging them, you know, financially. And we're not like, uh, you know, the, the SEC is not like the Pac-12, as, according to DirecTV. So... That one has gone nowhere. Uh, two two years now of insults being thrown back and forth between the Pac-12 and the Directv, and you almost wish a school could could do something uh, about it. But uh, but they're locked. USC is locked into the Pac-12 network, and the Pac-12 apparently is locked out of Directv. So we'll see. Change there. Yeah, there. Uh, Larry Scott was hoping for. AT&T to buy DirecTV to fix that. But that's that's not exactly the greatest strategy in the world or make you feel comfortable about it. Um, and, and it's not a guarantee, even if that happens, yeah. that, that it would get changed either. So neither part of that. That's like a, you know, that's really trying to draw three cards for an inside straight or something. I mean, I think that <laughs> the chances of that happening are, are, you know, slim and none, and, and we know we're none just left down or whatever. I don't know. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. We're going to make some make some room here on the podcast for Coach Harvey Hyde in the next segment. But thanks for answering all those questions, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Look forward to it. All right. Everyone else, hey, back in a minute. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde, get his thoughts on USC Fresno State. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast, joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde, who's been all over the place talking about this USC-Fresno State game. So we're really we're glad that he can join our show as well. Talk about there. He's been on ESPN Radio here in Los Angeles quite a bit, does the Sunday brunch show the next morning, uh, talking about what happened at USC Fresno State. Well, welcome, Coach. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Ryan. Good morning, everyone. Uh, 
Happy Labor Day. Enjoy it. Drive carefully. And as I always say, huddle up and buckle up. As you go along, you probably aren't listening to car. Maybe you might be. A lot of people are doing the streaming now, and it's absolutely fantastic what you can do now with uh, all these electronic devices. I don't know how to do that, but uh, uh, everything is great, Ryan. Yeah, we got a lot of people listening to the car, Coach. They uh, put it on their their iPods or wherever, you know, their device. They can put it on their phone. They can listen at the gym. So we get people listening to this podcast all over the place, all over the country, all over the world, in many different uh, spots and how they do it. So we appreciate that. We're, we're really happy to be on iTunes and have been going for six-plus years now. So we're going to keep it going and uh, thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com is the website or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Dodgers and Angels both doing well. If you want to see them or anybody else across the country, you can check it out. Of course, USC's playing Stanford next weekend up on the farm. But we want to talk about this game, Coach, and uh, I mean, you know, just kind of get your overall thoughts of you know, how USC looked opening the Steve Sarkeesian era. Well, Ryan, first of all, I want to say it was great seeing you on Saturday. Oh, you as well. Over at the stage. Thank you. And I just wanted to say I want to thank you for the opportunity of doing this 2014 season with you. We go year-round. I want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us and thanking us. When I see everyone, uh, they come up to me and they say, or you, I know I, people people are talking to you too about the podcast and they can't wait to listen to it. And We just look, look forward to doing it and we want to thank you for listening and you can follow us uh, at Coach Harvey Hyde. That's at Coach Harvey Hyde. And Ryan, give yours out too, Bruce. You were doing a lot of tweeting during the game. I was, yeah. At Inside Troy is mine and as Coach said, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach is more of a take a, take a quarter at a time sort of approach. I'm like tweeting like a madman during the game. Well, let me tell you, with this hurry-up offense now, I scout every play uh, during the game. I, I Just like I was scouting if we were going to play them. The old way, if you're an old coach out there, you know how you do it. Left hash, right hash, middle of the field, down distance. And then I'm able to follow it, and I go back and recap the game. And I'm able to get more of a feel of what happened uh, when uh, – I'm not distracted as far as moving ahead. So uh, uh, it was a little harder this week. It was a little harder as far as the 105 plays that they ran offensively, but I got them all in. And that first drive I thought was really a great impression, 18 plays, 85 yards. Touchdown for USC. Game management, Ryan, that's what I like to look at, game management, like play calling. No delay a game, especially after timeout. Uh, the uh, no wasted plays. Uh, no players running around not knowing where to line up. Uh, field management on the sidelines and enthusiasm I thought was great. Uh, just just those type of little things I think tell you a lot about a football team. And I was able to do that. There's a lot of other things we could talk about. I know one thing I'll ask you, and I know I don't know how many people noticed this, but what was the change that you saw on the FC uniform? Do you remember? The uh, black socks. Is that, the, is that right. what you're talking about? Well, I'll, I'm a white socks guy, but I'll tell you what. If you keep playing like that, you are any color, <laughs> color you want. <laughs> yeah, Dan Weber wasn't really happy with it. I didn't get to talk to him about it, but the uh, black socks, he's not a big fan of. To me, I mean, it doesn't bother me a whole lot did you did you like those coach or not really well i'm a white socks guy but okay. uh you know kids today like little changes uh, and I, I like the traditional thing okay me too i, I like do. the white socks i just like the traditional thing but coach arkeesian uh, uh gave the team the option to, to vote on it they voted on it and uh of course uh 
when it is, the kids know how the vote gets. You know, <laughs> you, you can't say, oh, man, White Sox won, and they all ask each other, what would you vote, man? <laughs> and he said, I voted for black, and they can't find anybody voting for white. So if you're going to vote on something, you better come up with the right answer. <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some questions, Coach. We'll it'll be a way to talk about the game and get your thoughts. we got some good ones this week. Kevin in South Orange County, uh, and th- you know, you've talked about that first drive, Coach. To me, the most impressive thing was converting on all those third downs, something that USC hadn't done in the past. And Kevin has a question about that. He said, fun times at the game yesterday. Thought the team looked good. Was happy to see the rotation on both lines. The biggest stat for me was third down conversions. 11 of 16 is pretty good. They moved the chains on long third downs. I'm concerned about the I'm concerned about the ability to get that done versus team with more skill on defense like Stanford. Any uh, any thoughts from Coach on what he's expecting this week on third on the third down front? Kevin in South Orange County. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know what to expect really. Um... But I do know that uh, USC has a short yardage offense. If you watch during the game when they went on fourth down twice with a quarterback sneak, they ran out of the huddle and they had a T formation and they ran a wedge and got their first down. I like that. I like those type of things. They prepared it. I don't want to say I don't think this is anything new because Stanford, of course, watches all the game films. In fact, they exchange films, uh, videos on Sunday morning, so it's it's not any secrets. Uh, and they look at last year what, it, what uh, Steve did at at uh, Washington, but he has a short yardage offense that he works on the goal line and it's power. It's like I used to call breaker, breaker, breaker. And when they heard breaker, 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 they knew that we were going to be in double tight, three tight ends, sometimes uh, unbalanced, and we were going to pound it in there and we were going to get that short yardage. So against Stanford, you're going to see a very physical front. It's not going to be quite as physical as last year, but I want you to know they've got a lot of great players back. They've learned how to win. They've been the four straight BCS bowl games. They're not happy about what happened last year. I think they really didn't care about the Davis game. They went out and played it and won it. Davis wasn't a big, you know, uh, opponent for them. But I think they, they're going to be very well, very well disciplined, very well coached. They've got a new defensive coordinator, Mason, the old defensive coordinator, is now at Bandy. They've got both kickers back who really average well, 18 of 22 field goals, 42.9 yards, uh, averaging, punting. Uh, I think the linebackers uh, are the, is strength of the defense currently right now as uh, they're led by Tarpley and Martinez and Davis will get back in there. So they're deep with talent. Uh, they've got the two starting corners back that have played in a lot of bowl games and uh, I just think uh, with Henry Anderson back, uh, number 91, he was injured last year. He's a great all-conference linebacker. He really is. And, and Perry's back, the starting nose guard. They've got a lot of players coming back with a lot of rotation. And, you know, when you played in big games, uh, uh, you, you get used to winning. I think in big games, uh, I know they were 11-3 and three last year. I can't remember over the years, but I think – these guys have learned to win like they're – I can't I – I don't want to throw stats out that aren't correct, but Hogan, Hogan is, has, has played in big games, and he's something like 10-3 and three against BCS opponents. So he looks forward to these type of games. SC's looking forward to these type of games. It's at Stanford. I would say this game and the Michigan State-Oregon game are two highlighted football games in the entire country this, this week. So uh, – 
there's a, a lot of great anticipation on this football game, especially the USC people uh, that will be going up to Stanford. Uh, this has been a hurdle, this team and USC, over the past five or six years. So it's very important that the Trojans go up there, and I think the key is the offensive line. You know, everybody talks about this all the time. Ty Montgomery is one of the top players in the Pac-12. Kevin Hogan is a better quarterback than what people give him credit for. Pete is one of the best offensive linemen in the country, and they might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. But you know what this is going to match up? I would say probably the best offensive line in the country and probably the best defensive line in the country. Now, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's where you win or lose football games, Ryan. So I've got I've talked too much on Stanford. I apologize. <laughs> don't give me that opportunity anymore. Okay. Oh, no, that's okay. We're all right. We, we're going to talk. There's some questions that are looking ahead to Stanford too, but we want to talk about Fresno, of course. Um, Lamar, let's go to Lamar and Lancaster. He said it was a great way to start the season after looking uh, at only the first week of college football, but reflecting on the last six years, I've come to conclude that out of 124 teams. Only about 15 teams play defense well enough to be highly competitive, and even those teams cannot totally stop the new hybrid offenses of today's game. In today's game, he's talking about Saturday's game, you have to outscore, oh, I guess, you know, in general today, you have to outscore your opponent and try to reasonably manage uh, the opposition on defense. Sark's coaching style allows the Trojans to step into the modern era of college football while keeping the team in every game. What is your take on that? That's Lamar and Lancaster. Well, uh, you do. You have to be very athletic on defense. With the hurry-up offense, your your players are getting more reps. You're great players, and that's what SC's doing now. You have more opportunity of scoring. And uh, uh, you do. You have to be very athletic on defense. So, you know, one thing about Stanford, they have been able to defeat teams like that. They they really have. uh they're 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 so physical that you know over the last Stanford hadn't been able, Oregon hadn't been able to beat uh, Stanford uh, UCLA hasn't been able to beat Stanford uh, a team that beat Stanford in the Rose Bowl was another physical type of football team like they were uh, but uh, you don't see many of these teams any longer that are power type of offenses or real physical type of defenses like Stanford is. But they really put a rush on you. I think that's where people forget. They have great defensive ends, a tough nose guard, and they really come after you. They put a lot of pressure on you. So uh, they put you in a lot of second and tens and third and eights. and uh, They throw your rhythm off. But I, I, I agree that the hurry-up offense is something that almost everybody in the country is running. And, in fact, when you turn on the, the other games and you watch them, everybody's running it. Yeah, you don't see any teams that's not running it. Everybody's running the hurry-up offense now. So uh, it's something you have to learn to uh, play against and, and also defense, which you're doing it every day in practice. Now, see, this week as far as USC preparing for Stanford, they don't see Stanford. They haven't worked on this type of offense the entire spring or the entire fall camp. And, Ryan, you've been there and I've been there at fall camp. They haven't gone against any power-eye teams, this type of offense where – you have a lot of, uh, and this year I think they'll go back to what they did, having big tight ends, uh, three tight ends in the game at one time as far as as receivers or tight blocking. Uh, you don't prepare. You're going to have, they're not practicing today, so you got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to get ready for Stanford and their offense, and you travel on Friday. So you have three days to get ready for what Stanford does. 
So it's uh, it's something that I, in fact, in the post game interview, Leonard Williams made a comment about it. he wished they had more time to play against more physical football teams to get ready for Stanford. I don't know if you heard that comment or yeah. not, uh-huh. but he he was wishing Ryan he'd play this. They'd have this game later. Yeah, I guess a lot of these players have that in the back of their mind, though, because they ran against it. You know, USC and Stanford would run something similar. So, I mean, you know, it was more – it wasn't the hurry-up style. It was the, the style that USC kind of ran offensively last year. So, I think the players that have been around, Coach, have, have got it. You know, they, they've done it before. They just haven't done it this year, I guess you could say. Well, you know, when I look back at 2013, the most points that were scored on Stanford is 28 points. Arizona State scored 28. Arizona State was beaten by Stanford 42-28. <laughs> and Washington scored 28 points. That's the most points that was scored on them the entire year. Oh, that's interesting. But you know, USC obviously ended up beating them, not scoring that many points. But with 11, you know, 12 or 13 guys on defense, were able to shut Stanford down. So, that, I mean, I, I think that these guys have some confidence, Coach, just because they know they did it last year. Scheme's a little bit different, but... Um, not having anyone to sub in, they still played Stanford really tough. Oh, they really did. Stanford only got 17 points against USC last year. 20 to 17 was the score. So, no, it, it, they're confident. It's not that they're not confident, and they'll be ready to play. It's just being able to see what they do, you know, in three days and be ready for it. Yeah, great point there. Um, all right, let's see. Mike in Quartz Hill had a question. After watching him score his touchdown – what do you think of Soma Vanuku as short yardage or goal line tailback? It seems to me that he has the ability to move the pile like Lendell White did. Well, I agree with you 100%. When he found that seam, broke to the outside and got in the secondary, the other two guys said, I'm not tackling him, are you? <laughs> he had the steamroll and he went into the end zone and uh, he just looked great. He, he, he looks faster and he looks uh, really determined to get where he's headed took advantage of the call and I think he looked awesome in making that play you know he's a great kid and he's a great player and he plays on special teams and he's a he's a leader and uh, I'm glad he got that touchdown I really am and I'm glad he made that run yeah with only two scholarship uh tailbacks coach he was really like the next guy in we saw James Toll on the fourth come in and get a lot of playing time but I think you might see a little more some of Anuku in those those situations I mean if if Trey Madden can't go it's not like they have a whole bunch of other scholarship tailbacks they can lean on. No, but I think the bulk of the carries, I think Buck Allen proved it Saturday. And I'm just, this is my opinion. Yeah. That he's a force, okay? And he's going, he, you can see how they push the pile when he runs the football. I mean, you don't just knock him down the pile. And I was impressed with the offensive linemen and their push on that type of run that Buck Allen did. He was in the crowd and people were pushing him forward. I think Buck Allen is is a type of kid that's going to be a force. It's funny, you know, Justin Davis had, he always looks good. I like Justin Davis a lot, but uh, James Tolan, who I've been talking about and you've been talking about, everybody's watched him in camp. He rushed for more yards than Justin Davis did Yeah. on the same amount of carries. So, you know, the cupboards aren't bare. You know, the cupboards aren't bare. And when your number is called, we talk about it all the time. It's time for somebody to step up or the next play, you're in there. You know, keep your helmet on, like I say. Makes sense. Uh, well, let's go to Ben, coach. She said, to a layman, it felt as though Oregon played FSU at the Coliseum. So he meant, means Fresno State. Just so you know, Fresno State is not FSU. 
uh, there are Fresno State. So but, but me covering them, I've been told that before many, many times. But people still say FSU, but it's Fresno State uh, at the Coliseum. So he said it, it, re, it looked like Oregon was playing Fresno State. The pace, the play signs, the unbalanced line, etc. without using labels like read option and pro style, what are the important differences between USC's 2014 offense and that of Oregon? That's from Ben. Well, you know, you saw a very vanilla USC offense. You didn't see the entire offense. They ran the same basic plays over and over and over. They didn't want to show exactly their entire offense for Stanford, and I'm not going to go into what their entire offense is. But they ran the basic run plays uh, over and over and over. They didn't, uh, well, you know, they didn't get any counters or fly sweeps, and everybody knows they have they have all this stuff. Uh, the keeps, when they ran the keeps, uh, Cody went right into the end zone. I don't know how many of those they're planning on running, but they got to teach the quarterbacks how to slide. I'll tell you, Cody almost tore his knee up one time, and, and Max Brown, man, I'll tell you, Max, come on, buddy. Let's get your running. Let's practice that option. You know, get out there. He, he had a lot of room, and, and he, he didn't slide properly, and somebody could get hurt that way. But, uh, no, uh, Washington – or not Washington. USC has not developed their offense. If you went back and you can remember what they did last year, they do all kinds of different things they'll add to it. So they're just starting their – their season, uh, their vanilla, they played well against. They won, didn't want mistakes. They didn't have mistakes. They looked, the game management was perfect, no delay of the games. I mean, these are the things you try to do in your opening football game of the season. You have 105 yards. You, you have one, uh, Damian Mama jumps offside. But that wasn't his fault. The official moved the ball. Please, Mr. Referee, or please, Mr. Umpire. You know that was your fault, picking up the ball, moving it back. And Mama was just moving back so he wouldn't be off sides. But they, you know, they didn't give that to him. They had a couple of legal procedures, and the rest of it was great. A couple of guys blocked in the back and a couple of those quick screens out to the outside. But those that's the way you learn. But, uh, you know, no personal fouls, no late hits. And I thought that Cody ran the management that when he when he didn't have a guy open, he didn't throw the ball in the crowd, he threw the ball out of bounds. These are the little things you look at as far as in your first game. But of course you gotta come back and you gotta correct the things that weren't good and that they've probably probably already showed that to the team. And uh you know, on defense too, they had a couple of lapses there and uh I think a couple of let ups during the third quarter and when they had some drives there but those things will all be ironed out and we'll see what happens it was a hot day it definitely was a hot day black socks probably didn't help coach <laughs> those white socks might have been a little better um well let's go to patrick he said he watched the game a couple of times great win haven't seen control and poise by a usc quarterback since matt leinert so that's pretty high praise there for uh, cody kessler don't want to nitpick but I'm a bit worried about Stanford's running game. Our linebackers seemed like they were a, a little too easily blocked, late to fill in holes, or in the wrong position. What are your thoughts on how they'll do against the big boys of Stanford and if they'll do anything differently? That's from Patrick. Well, yeah, they, they you know, our, our USC's linebackers are a little bit undersized. What I mean by that, they're speed type of backers to play against the spread. And, uh, Stanford loves to pull their guard, lead their fullback, get in sometimes three-back sets, uh, get in a power set, and run right at your linebackers. Run ISO. It used to be called blast ISO. Now it's power off tackle. If you close it down to the 
inside and pinch your guys. The guy just automatically breaks to the outside, and the fullback's taught, don't lead through, lead around and, and block the end, hook the end, and the, the guard knows, too, when he's pulling, if there's no space to run inside, run outside. So they know how to run that as good as anywhere in the country. So the linebackers, yeah, you have to protect your linebackers, and your linebackers, uh, uh, and you'll do that by slanting, pinching, doing different things, close off the inside where your backers have a chance for the outside. Now, they don't have a, a Gaffney. They don't have a Gaffney who's a real strong running back, but they have three backs that will probably rotate in there, Sanders and a couple of these other guys. So they're speedy guys, and uh, I don't know if the, the line will give them a push, but I don't know if they have the power that Gaffney had. So the backers uh, will have to uh, probably fill the outside, and they'll take care of the inside with the defensive line. But you don't want them ISOing or blasting your linebackers because your linebackers are just a little bit too undersized, and uh, they'll have an advantage there. All right, one last one for you, Coach. Earl in West L.A., uh, there are a lot of things to be excited about tonight, but now is the time to get ready for Stanford. This question is for Coach Harvey Hyde. Obviously, Stanford cannot allow the Trojans to run 105 offensive plays for over 700 yards. If you were David Shaw, how would you scheme to keep this Trojan offense off the field? That's Earl West L.A. Well, you know, the way you keep them off the field is you hold the football. The best defense is a great offense that keeps the other team off the field. They've been able to do this against UCLA. They've been able to do this against Oregon. You know, when you look at the scores that these teams have, uh, number of points that these guys have scored against uh, Stanford, it's not very many. Uh, last year, UCLA got uh, 10, 10 points. Oregon, who's a real high-scoring team, got 20 points. And the reason why is because they have the ball the whole game. Time of possession, Stanford. Time of possession, Stanford. So what happens uh, when you come in, If you and Stanford plays great sound defense, that you press a little bit. But you press a little bit on offense because uh, you want to you wanna make plays so you can uh, catch up if you're behind, but sometimes that hurts you. So uh, the best defense against uh, a spread offense like USC, Oregon, the rest of them is uh, ball control on offense. Just you don't get the ball, so you can't run as many plays. You just don't get the ball. Uh, Stanford will drive the ball, try to drive the ball 40 yards, 50 yards, play field position, and then when they get in the red zone, uh, of course, kick a field goal. The field goal kicker kicked well last year, 18 to 22, and they'll try to uh, ball control you. So uh, that's the whole idea of the Stanford defense is to play great defense but let the offense have the ball the whole game so if you can stop their offense now they have a problem because they have to face your offense more and more and more so uh, basically I would think that's the answer to that question all right well coach great stuff we appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts man are people looking forward to this USC Stanford game can't blame them I mean some great great stuff coming up here and uh, really interesting to see how these Trojans play with that the high-powered 105-play offense versus the toughness that Stanford that everyone knows, man. It's going to be really fun. Well, you can tell, Ryan, I'm ready to do the pregame show already, and today's only Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm ready. I've given it some thought, and uh, I know exactly um, what's going through everybody's minds. I, I'm playing it as a coach, but I'd be thinking about all weekend and with my staff and thinking about what we have to do, our strengths against their strengths. And uh, 
our weaknesses that we have to cover up for their strengths and, and, and all of that. And David Shaw is doing the same thing up there at Palo Alto. So this is what great college football is all about. Are you going up to the game, Ryan? I am not. Uh, Dan Weber will be up there. We'll have uh, photographers up there too, but I'm going to be uh, covering it from here. So I'll be home. I'll be doing the same thing. I'll do the pregame show from the studio. Uh, that's because I have the uh, postgame show on the Las Vegas station immediately following the game. And then, Sunday morning, I have the Trojan brunch from the studio, so it doesn't really allow me to travel with the Trojans. But uh, I'll be watching it. And for all of you out there, have a great Labor Day weekend. Have a great week. It's a short one. Stanford will be here shortly. It's an early game, too, Ryan. It's a 12:30 kick. Yeah, crazy. 12:30 kick. So uh, that's another thing. You know, when you have an early kick like that and you travel, that takes less time away from your preparation. All right. Well, great stuff, Coach. We appreciate you coming on. Everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. USC Stanford coming up next. We'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 